When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five series played, five series immense have won more games than they have lost. And twice they've done it to the down-and-out Diamondbacks, so here they are, 17 games in, humming along like a sweet F-type Jaguar. 12-5 and five and way ahead of the pack in the NL East. In fact, everyone else in this supposedly strong division is under 500. And by the way, I did have to Google which car has the best-sounding motor, because all I know is mine sounds like uh, Daft Punk got caught in a blender. So... Let's go with the Jaguar, until otherwise advised. And let's go to the Weekend in Review, coming up next. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing. Now, here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. 12 and 5, and good to be alive. Beat 7 and 10, and here we go again. All the earmarks of positive change still on display for these 2022 New York Mets. They took two out of three in Phoenix, and we will go game by game for your pleasure. Josh Lewin with you. Going to try to keep this thing at 20 minutes or so. It's always the goal here at the Mets in the Morning World offices. Try to get you in and out before the 7 Express gets to Willits Point upon leaving Grand Central. So, Friday, the lefty David Peterson allowed one run in five and two-thirds, gave up three hits and a walk. He struck out three. I know it's, quote, only Arizona. But remember, Peterson's a guy who last year had a 5.54 ERA before fracturing his foot. He's the Mets' number seven starter, basically, pitching in place of an injured Taiwan Walker. Peterson's got an ERA of 0.64 in three games. And the crazy thing, after this fabulous outing, he was actually optioned down to Syracuse. He and a 0.64 ERA. But it's pretty much procedural. With Walker set to be activated within a couple days, they'll need a spot for him. Uh, Walker throw a sim game in St. Louis today and hopefully be good to go for real by this coming weekend. Peterson will be stashed on the taxi squad. He'll start for Syracuse either Wednesday or Thursday in Rochester. And the plan for him is to return to the big leagues to start one of the games of that May 3rd doubleheader against the Braves. So, he had Peterson pitching wonderfully Friday. But for a while, so was Arizona starter Zach Gallen. Brandon Nimmo finally became the Mets' first base runner in the fourth inning. He chopped a ball against the shift into left and sped to second base, made it a double. And then with a kind of a snazzy uh, slide on the outside of the bag, he avoided the throw. It was looking like a, a Brandon Nimmo show. And uh, sure enough, he would score on a blue pit from Pete Alonso. So a textbook Brandon Nimmo kind of run. 1-1 ball game at that point. The Mets would slowly start to bleed the Diamondbacks out. Lindora sack fly, Alonzo an RBI ground out, and then in the seventh, cannonball. When Delkin delivers, McCann cracks it deep to left field. Hummer goes back. He's on the track. He's looking up. It's gone. A two-run homer for James McCann, and the Mets extend their lead. It's now 5-1 to one in the top of the seventh. Jake Eisenberg had that call on WCBS. Welcome, Jake. And for James McCann, thank goodness, because you might remember McCann got hit by a pitch to drive in the Mets' very first run of the year. Nothing noteworthy really for him ever since then. You got these torrid starts by Lindor and Nimmo and Alonzo and everybody else kind of helping to cover for McCann. 
but he had brought a 160 slugging percentage in a Friday night, very unsightly. So that was nice to see that ball go as deep as it did. Uh, the Mets up 5-1, to one, then 5-2, to two, then 5-4. to four. Still one out away from winning it in regulation. But Dalton Varsho homering off Edwin Diaz. On we trudge to extra innings. And the Mets' bullpen had been terrific of late, having not allowed a run over their previous five games at 17 innings. But you had Jason Shreve, Trevor May combining to allow three runs before the first blown save of the year for Diaz, coming with two out in the ninth. Top of the 10th, Starling Marte hitting a chopper to third, quickly dropped his bat and bolted to first base. You're talking elite sprint speed here, 30.2 feet per second, the fastest by any Met track by StatCast this season. And he had to hustle. It was the most important 90-foot dash of the whole game, maybe the whole weekend. When his left foot hit the bag, he saw the ball still in the air out of the corner of his eye, he said. He said, we got to challenge this. And sure enough, the Mets did call overturned Mets get a run so uh, Marte's instinct had been right the replay was kind of a a game saver there Jeff McNeil had scored Mets would secure it six to five when Seth Lugo worked around a two-out walk for a scoreless save nicely done and after the game the manager spoke well I don't think that's a matter of opinion what you know what Edwin does for a living is very hard he does it you know at a very you know, competitive rate. Just good major league hitters. Just uh, jumped the fastball, but did a lot of good things. Seth Lugo pitched well. Trevor, you know, pitched well for the most part. Gave up a kind of a jam home run around the foul pole. Shreve did some good things, but I thought the story was Patterson again. Peterson, he was Pete, Pete was good, man. And uh, Drew was good. So we had some good things. A lot of uh, Mac had a big night. I thought Mac at bat with two strikes off a really good pitcher getting runner over and blocked a lot of balls tonight. Of course, a home run. Mac's been very close. We talked about I think last night or day before our days run together. But it was fun. I was glad to see our guys. You know, you get first long road trip, no off day, and after a good home stand, it's uh, you know against a very hungry club, and uh, we've got some players back and. One of the best pitchers, probably, uh, you know, in the division. So, their division. So, we'll take it. Marte's speed there is obviously an element. I mean, did did yeah. you have a good idea that he was he was safe there? You know, it's one of those things uh, that you're, you're probably going to challenge it regardless. Yeah. If it's even what just so, uh, you know, if it wasn't. We're going to challenge that whether he's out or safe, probably. Mm-hmm. So, obviously a big play, but, you know, McCann doesn't have his at bat. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And uh, a lot of things. You know, Nemo had a good first or third. That It's a lot like uh, Marte's play a few days ago where, you know, he's out. He's had a good play. and mm-hmm. So, you got to be careful at taking their aggressiveness against them. Pete made a heck of a play down the first baseline. I think in the first inning, was it? Second inning? So, so you know. Let's pop flies as deep as you play in center field here. You got to have some range by your infielders. On Nimmo, what did you think of not only the first to third, but also that that double, that first hit, with the, the two hustle plays? For- yeah, he never slow. He always gives himself a chance to, to get an extra base because he comes out of the box hard. You know, Nim doesn't do anything but go hard, so he gives himself a chance. A lot of guys just don't give themselves a they assume that. But, you know, on AstroTurf, the throws are always longer because the ball gets deeper on the outfielders. 
So arm, arm strength's more important on AstroTurf than anywhere else because the throws have to be made deeper. It may get to them faster, but the throws are cover more distance because there's not as much drag on it. So you know, they've got the good throwing outfielders. So Nim had a couple of really good good reads. Always a baseball seminar from Buck, isn't it? Appreciate that and appreciate the bullpen writing itself at the end. But let's also not forget that terrific start by the former Oregon Duck, David Peterson. Here were his comments after the fact. What was working for you tonight? Uh, felt good with all pitches. Um, felt like I was getting ahead in the count. Um, making them have to swing and um, got some early ground balls and some early contact that led to outs and um, was able to stay efficient with the pitch count. Were you hoping to stay in given the low pitch count? Um, yeah, I mean, you want to go as deep as you can. Uh, I felt good, um, but that was the time to make a move, and so that's what happened. Overall, the way you filled in here, is it going just about as well as you could have, could have hoped? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm here to do what is asked of me, and that's that's been to fill in and start, and um, that's that's what I'm focused on every day is, is being able to get better and um, every fifth day give this team a quality start and um, keep the line moving. How exciting was it to watch just how the 10th inning unfolded? Excuse me? How exciting was it to watch how the 10th inning unfolded? Um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, Marte's as fast as it can be, and he runs hard and um, got down the line good there. Did you think Pete had any shot at getting at that ball in uh, the first baseline there uh, when he dove? I didn't think he had a chance. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I thought he, I had all the confidence in the world. The reason I'm running over there is because I knew he was going to smother that thing and get it to me. And um, Yeah, I knew, I knew there was nothing but ball in the glove and then throwing it to me. So. Anything that you were doing that you feel kind of allowed you to get some soft contacts and a lot of ground balls today? I think just being able to get ahead of guys, um, moving the ball around, um, forcing forcing the issue you know it's you fill the zone up you get strikes on guys and and they have to swing or else they're going back to the dugout so um i think that was that was key for me tonight is um to get ahead of guys and and um get the contact that i did a nice job to steal one back friday night the mets the first in baseball to 11 wins the first to achieve 70 runs scored best starting at rotation era in the majors most strikeouts by rotation in the majors what would saturday provide as an encore literally one of the most boring games the world has ever seen. Uh, In 2010, there was something called the Boring Conference. It took place in London. About 200 people showed up. Among the activities were milk tasting, a PowerPoint presentation of man's changing tastes in necktie colors, and a speech called My Relationship with Bus Routes. My point is, had you added this game to that list of events, that would have been fine. Not a lot else was boring Saturday in baseball. The Mets and Diamondbacks somehow cornered the market on mundane because everywhere else, uh, Detroit had the Tigers winning 13-0 and Miguel Cabrera getting hit number 3,000. In Chicago, the Cubs beat the Pirates by three touchdowns, 21-0, the most lopsided loss in the franchise's history of 136 years. A near-perfect inverse of the famous Rennie Stennett 7-for-7 game. It was played on that very same field some 47 years before. And, of course, at Yankee Stadium Saturday, the Jerry Springer show broke out in the right field bleachers as the Yankees were walking off the Guardians. So everywhere else in baseball Saturday, it seemed like flashpoint after flashpoint. 
Even out west, the Padres walked off the Dodgers in front of a crowd of 44,444. How could no one have gone four for four in that game at the plate? And uh, by the way, four years and 44 mil is what Steven Matz got to sign with St. Louis this past offseason. And when Stephen Cohen got mad about that, he went on the spending spree to populate the Mets bench with all-stars and future Hall of Famers. But uh, we'll get to that later. Let's get to the Saturday game just because we have to. If you must know how it became 5-2 to two Arizona is your final. Fielder's choice in the bottom of the first to make it one nothing Snakes. Uh, two more in the second. When the bottom third of the order, Carson Kelly, Sergio Alcantara, and Geraldo Perdomo all singled. They were hitting 0-63, 0-91, and 120. They all singled off Trevor Williams, and runs would come in on a fielder's choice in another single. They got a, an RBI double in the fourth. Mets with a hiccup of a rally in the fifth. The Jeff McNeil triple scoring Dom Smith. McNeil scoring on an infield hit from Tomas Nito. And then uh, a sack fly from David Peralta for Arizona in the sixth. And that was it. Uh, Humberto Castellanos the win. Spot starter Trevor Williams the loss. Williams didn't get clobbered. Six of the seven hits he allowed were only singles, and not a lot of them with a lot of exit velo on them. But still, only two innings, and from there it was kind of empty the bullpen night. Sean Reed Foley pitched two and two-thirds, and he had to, to go out with a leg cramp. Adam Ottavino, excuse me, Adam Ottavino. I can never say that right for some reason. I, I should learn this. Adam Ottavino pitched an inning and a third. Joely Rodriguez chipped in with an inning. Then Adonis Medina. How about this guy? The Mets had quietly acquired the 25-year-old from the Pirates, for cash on April 7th. He had made a couple of two-inning appearances for Syracuse, was already with the, the Major League team in Arizona as part of the taxi squad, and then, boom, gets in this game and becomes the first Met ever to strike out the side, facing only three batters in his big league debut. And then he got sent down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, news during that game Saturday leaking out that was not actual on-field baseball a lot of people found this interesting because it came up very much after the fact. Michael Conforto, still a free agent. Turns out he had surgery on his right shoulder about a week ago. He will not play this season, according to Scott Boris. And uh, he revealed, or I guess kind of helped solve, one of the biggest mysteries of the last few months. Why it was he never signed with a team after the lockout ended in mid-March. He had hurt his shoulder, had to get operated on. Remember, he's had... Uh, some surgery before, and the same guy, Dr. Neil L. Atrache, very uh, well-known orthopedic surgeon in L.A., he got that surgery done when Conforto had the left shoulder uh, capsule injury in 2017. That was a doc that, that took care of him. So left shoulder, right shoulder, hopefully he comes back fully in 2023. He's going to be 30 next year. He turned down the qualifying offer from the Mets, would have paid him one year, $18.4 million dollars. It never happened. The Mets signed Starling Marte with that money instead. And how about that? If they signed Conforto, they'd have a player stuck on the IL all year. Instead, they signed Marte, who's already scored 10 runs and driven in 12. So, having courtesy flushed Saturday's results, let's get on to Sunday. The anniversary of a cool ending to a Mets game from 15 years ago. Anybody remember the game when the Mets and Rockies were scoreless through 10? Actually, I'm sorry, scoreless through uh, 9. They traded runs in the 10th. Mets had runners at the corners, two outs in the 11th. Andy Chavez with a daring drag bunt down the right side of the infield. Sean Green scampering in with the winning run. The walk-off drag bunt. Second coolest thing Andy ever did as a Met. This Sunday game, uh, 15 years later, it featured Madison Bumgarner 
against Tyler McGill. Two low heartbeat guys, one of whom had made 334 Major League starts, the other 21. Mad Bum lasted five innings, and at 32, seems like he might be in the twilight of a brilliant career. Of course, that wild card game he pitched against the Mets in October of 16 will long be remembered for all the wrong reasons, but he wasn't half bad Sunday, kept his team right in it. McGill, meantime, was so good that Mark Grace was wondering aloud on the Diamondbacks broadcast when exactly the Mets had acquired the mid-90s version of Roger Clemens. 45 of McGill's first 62 pitches were strikes, and that's all he needed to get through five innings, 62 measly pitches. And at that point, it was 2-1 to one in his favor. The Mets had grabbed a quick lead when Lindor singled home Mark Canna, the on-base machine. Since the start of 2019, his OBP is 380. That is 10th in the major leagues. The nine men ahead of him are pretty much the best hitters in baseball. A bunch of MVP winners and all-stars and offensive prodigies. Canna's probably not exactly in that echelon, but being in the top 10, that's still really cool. And it shows that if he stays healthy here in 2022, he could really be a force. So the Mets hanging on to that one nothing lead until the, the fourth inning. McGill finally faltered for just a moment, just one pitch. A pitch of Christian Walker pulverized into a fine soot, took it out to left center to the tune of 440 by one calculation, 467 by another. They basically say if it had kept going and not hit something, it would have gone 467. But the Mets went back ahead on a Starling Marte DIY project. He stole third, then wandered home when the throw from the Arizona catcher sailed in a left. Fourth stolen base for Marte. The Mets as a team now with 12. They may pass last year's total of 54 by just after Memorial Day. What was the opening presentation in Talladega Nights? The quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. America is all about speed. Hot, nasty, badass speed. Somewhat ironically, the team based in our nation's capital has one stolen base so far. Good job, Nationals. No triples, one steal in 18 games. It's an entire team made out of uh, cookie dough, it seems. Bit of cheap insurance for the Mets in the top of the 7th. Two walks, an infield single, and two HBPs to squeak home another run. Travis Jankowski, the RBI base on balls. Marte, the RBI getting conked by Taylor Widener. No one gets hit by pitches with the bases loaded, like this decade's New York Mets. In the words of OMC some 25 years ago, how bizarre. But it's a thing. Diamondbacks did get back to within 4-2 to when the UConn product Nick Ahmed singled in a run. That'll close the book on McGill with six and two-thirds innings of two-run ball, one walk, seven strikeouts, as ERA, a Clemens-esque 2.35. An add-on run to back him in the top of the eighth off old friend Oliver Pavin. 1-0. Davis hits it high in the air, deep to right. Pavin Smith back near the wall. It's gone! Home run the other way for J.D. Davis. A high liner to right field that got out in a hurry. And the Mets tack on another run here in the top of the eighth. It's a 5-2 Mets lead. Davis has his first home run of the year. Perez. And old Buck, the prognosticator, comes through again. Yeah, J.D. Davis, a bit of a forgotten man with the Martes and Lindors and Cannas kicking butt. But Davis is hitting 261. Couple of home runs this year now. OPS of a robust 838. And the Mets would add another run on some more defensive follies. Second straight series, the Mets follow a 5-2 loss with a 6-2 win. The Mets now have a three-game series in St. Louis, and we will preview that after this. So Mike Schilt was the manager of the Cardinals for three years, made the playoffs in all three seasons, including a division title, 
and then suddenly found himself without a gig. Friction between Schilt and the front office and apparently some coaching staff necessitating a change. So the Cardinals going with bench coach from last year, Oliver Marmol, the youngest manager in the big leagues. He's only 35. Last year, the St. Louis offense was so much better than what they did in that shortened 2020. They were basically the bottom in everything you can mention just about in 2020. But when you fleece the Rockies for Nolan Arenado, that'll help in 21, and it sure did. Arenado, formerly of Colorado, hitting 34 home runs last year. He drove in 105, made the all-star team, won his ninth straight gold glove. He was not a one-man band. You had Paul Goldschmidt, the former Diamondback, with 31 home runs. Tyler O'Neill had 34 at a team-high 912 OPS. And now they have brought back Albert Pujols. He is seven years older than his manager, but apparently this guy can still hit a little bit. He's going to be making his retirement tour sitting now just 19 homers away from 700 in his career. He is not the only Cardinal taking a potential victory lap here, the old Viking funeral. Yadier Molina has been will he or won't he with the Cardinals the last several years, but they've now both agreed on just one more ride here. He's made his 10th All-Star game. That was last year. His battery mate, Adam Wainwright, who seems to be getting better with age. He had 17 wins last year at 3.05 ERA. He's 39, going to turn 40 soon. And even with that knowledge, his five complete games the last couple of years into this one, the most of any pitcher in baseball. But uh, a sunset ride for the three amigos. You got Wainwright, Molina, and Pujols. They're off to a, a real nice start this year. The Cardinals at 9-5. and five. Pujols is close to passing Willie Mays for third all-time in total bases and passing Cardinal legend Stan Musial for third all-time in extra base hits. Arenado is top five in the National League in batting average, homers, RBIs, and OPS. He's, he's a pretty awesome player. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series in the pitching matchups as of now. You've got Max Scherzer trying to get to 4-0 against Miles Michaelis. He's been good so far at 1.76. He pitched against the Mets most recently in 2019, went eight innings in a 10-2 victory. Next game, that'll be Chris Bassett against Jordan Hicks, who they've moved out of the bullpen into the rotation. He's got a 1.29 ERA. And then the finale, which will be an afternooner on Wednesday, Carlos Carrasco, 1.47 right now against former Met Stephen Matz, who has not been good yet this year with a 5.27. Dating back to their 17-game win streak last September, the Cardinals are 28-7 and in their last 35 games. That's their best 35-game stretch since 1942. So this will be a bit of a challenge, but so far the Mets have been meeting every challenge, if not exceeding everything, with a record of 12-5. and five. Three games in St. Louis, then back home, where, don't forget, Saturday, April 30th, is Francisco Lindor Bobble Gnome Day at City Field. Phillies in for three over that weekend, but only after this three-game early season showdown in the baseball version of Mayberry, a show-me series in the show-me state. And now, we show you the Mets in the Morning house band one by one. We thank them very much for their efforts. The keyboard player, Chris Woodward, slapping the bass, Mike Torres. The horn section, Robert Gazelman. And kicking that downbeat on the drums, that would be Kenny Rogers. Not that Kenny Rogers. Not the singing Kenny Rogers. You know, the lefty pitcher, Kenny Rogers, who walked Andrew Jones. This is Josh Lewin. This has been Mets in the Morning, and we appreciate your support.